Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We thought that during All-Star Week, not a whole lot going on, and uh, we'd invite some friends into the studio. And today, for this hour, Jay Delsing is joining us. It's good to see you. You as well. Thanks for having me. And we're going to talk some golf, and as a matter of fact, in 15 minutes, Ozzy is going to be with us. He's going to join us on the phone. He's got some cool things happening, but I know you and Ozzy have a great relationship, and Ozzy has become quite the golfer. Oh my gosh, he loves the game and what he's done for the game, you guys, in St. Louis with the PGA Reach program and lending his name, his celebrity. It's a huge deal for golf. It's just, a, he has helped us so much. Yeah, he, it's and getting kids involved, getting military involved, getting uh, making golf more diverse. And it's an uphill battle, but he's really doing a lot for it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, who doesn't want to do anything that Ozzy's involved <laughs> exactly. in? I mean, I love the guy. That's right. It's got to be so interesting for you too, Jay, to see these professional athletes be able to pick up the game of golf so easily. After this is something that you've dedicated your life to, so many of these guys, their skill set just translates right over to golf. You know, Michelle, so lucky doesn't even sum it up because how else would I get to hang out with Ozzy? He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, dude, get away from me. I don't know who you are. Uh, but because, because of golf and the game, I mean, I'm sitting here with you and the people that I've met, the connections that I've made, you know, the charitable work that the game, you know, the guys in front of us taught us, you know, that this is what golf does. I just, there's nobody been luckier than me. It's ridiculous. The, the things, the places, the people that has taken me. You had a, a long career on the tour. And I don't think I've ever asked you, what was your favorite tournament to play in? Not the majors, because obviously everybody loves those, but was there a spot on tour that was the coolest stop? For me, uh, it it generally um, focused around where I played well, Mm -hmm. and those weren't there. There weren't that many of those. But Memphis, uh, first of all, it was kind of like a home, a home. there really isn't no home course for, mm-hmm. for someone that lives in St. Louis. If you live in Orlando and say you're a member at Bay Hill, you'd get a home a home tournament every year. But I never did. It was easy for my fa- my parents to get down there. You know, you just jump on 55 and head down four hours. And I, I, I probably should have won that tournament two or three <laughs> times, which I didn't win any. But um, I still... I still remember um, one year I finished second there and uh, took the girls. They were little babies in the locker room with me, and um, a, a couple of stories were fun. I, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, you the locker room attendants just do everything for you. And my daughter said, Dad, you come in here and all these guys just wait on you. Is that how it always <laughs> I said, it's really incredible. And then we walk out to the car and we're loading the Suburban up. And I mean, Michelle, with four daughters, you know, you couldn't put another box of like tissues in this car. <laughs> oh, and we were yeah. only gone for, for four hours. And uh, some guy comes up to my daughter, Gemma, and, uh, and says something to her. And Gemma comes over to me and goes, Dad, so where is the money? And I said... <laughs> Because we never talked, I never talked about money and what, what I made and stuff. When I finished second, I had a really nice payday. 
And he goes, I don't know. That guy right there just said, you just made a hell of a lot of money. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I love that he dropped that nugget of info for your daughters. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, Jay, I want to go back to the beginning because I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this. How did you first even get into golf? When was that something that you really decided that you loved as a kid? Well, it was sports, really, Michelle. My dad played Major League Baseball, and if if – I had my druthers. I would have never played golf. I would have just stayed with baseball. But we had church league baseball, which was, you know, six or seven games a summer, one practice a week. And then, you know, we'd be organizing kids in the field trying to have a a, a game. And then, you know, in the bottom of the third, the shortstop has to go have dinner and there goes your game. <laughs> and it just used to piss me off and nobody else really cared that much. And so my dad would go play every once in a while. I'm like, Dad, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to go play golf. And I'm like, we don't even know what golf is. And I'm the fourth of five. So I, I was like, my parents were like, my parents gave me a small piece of luggage for my senior year in high school and said, you know, fill it up and get going. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was like, it was easily understood. I needed to kind of get out on my own. And um, so a scholarship was a, a had to be a deal because we didn't have any money. And my dad wound up taking me to play golf one day and when it was North Shore Country Club, which, you know, Randy Country Club, as you know, is mm-hmm. a, in parentheses because that place is a goat track. We used to go <laughs> sleigh riding on it, which was a much better place to sleigh ride than it was to play golf. But, <laughs> but it, we didn't, you know, when you don't know, you don't have a lot of money and you don't know that there's other things out there. You don't think much of it. And so I started playing golf almost every day with my mom's clubs and I didn't know it wasn't cool to have redheaded woods. <laughs> you know, I had, I think I had Patty Bergs or something and, and until I got playing with some peers, and they're like, dude, those are girls' clubs. I'm like, they didn't know. I was wearing girl hand-me-down shirts. I was just wearing all sorts of stuff because it was like just whatever you had, man. So I just um, started doing it, Michelle. Uh, my sisters were lifeguards down at the pool that this place had, and I just got so bored with the swimming aspect of it. So I would jump the fence and go look for golf balls. And, and um, when I was like uh, 12 or 13, I just kept bugging my dad to to get me to caddy. Let me, you know, take me to the golf course. He goes, you're going to go caddy. And I'm like, I don't want to caddy. So I went over to Norwood when I was like 13. And um, some funny stories about the caddy room. So there were older gentlemen caddying. And, you know, it was a rough crowd. I learned how to swear at a Olympic level, <laughs> which I still do very well now. Play cards. <laughs> bet on sports, all of the things, you know, a a nice Catholic boy needs to learn. But um, it got me introduced to Norwood. It got me introduced to an entirely different um, section of people. Um, And I was just hooked. My dad would, he worked for the St. Louis Review when he, he grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, so he wasn't really educated. So when he stopped playing, he sold advertising for the St. Louis Review. You know, the paper nobody reads in town. That's when we had two papers. Anyway. So I regress, but um, yeah. it, it just it just bit me, Michelle, and it hasn't let go. And I I'm so grateful. It was just you know I, I'd caddy and I'd after caddy and um, I'd work in the back room, and these guys just couldn't get rid of me. You know, <laughs> I just hung around and hung around, and then they started paying me, and then they started letting me play the golf courses. And I had never seen a golf course that had a sand trap before, so it was like this is. A, Pretty cool stuff. And when's the first time you realized, I could really do this? This could be my job professionally. Oh, man. I still did. So I got my scholarship to UCLA, which was so huge because I had the Walton and Wooden poster up in my bed. And well, my brother and I lived in the basement. And um, 
I, I'll, I'll never forget that coach at UCLA calling me. I was going on a recruit trip. I was going to the Arizona schools, Arizona State and Arizona ASU, and then uh, up to USC. And he said, why don't you come across town after you visit USC and, and, and um, check us out? And they were paying for all this. So I'm like, the first thing I did was, how many trips do I get? And I took all of them. <laughs> I, went sure. to, I went down to Wake Forest. I went to Houston, all these really cool places. And um, to go to UCLA was just, I, it wasn't necessarily a dream dream. But then when I got out there, I'm like, this is so cool. You know, and they take you by the athletic department, and there's just stud athletes hanging around there. Will Chamberlain's just like, you know, the greeter over there. I'm like, what the hell? So I <laughs> I got to do that. Um, my freshman year, I started out, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to compete with all these guys. And I just started playing better. And I don't really know how. And I just started playing better. And it just I, I just learned from the good players out there. And then I, once I won a, a college tournament and became an All-American, I'm like, well, hell. I know these guys all want to do it. I wasn't sure, but, you know, it worked out for me just so well. About the, the accomplishment before that, just the fact that Wake Forest and Houston and USC and UCLA and Arizona, Arizona State, they just wanted you to visit. Here you are, a kid from St. Louis that started caddying when you were 13, right? And you get to a point where those schools want you to visit, and those are the legendary producers of golfers, right? And the funny thing, Randy, in my house it was like, it's just go ahead, do my my parents like just do whatever. You, go ahead, you know they did. I remember driving to L.A. when I was eighteen. I'm like, what? I didn't know one person in this city. You know, it's just it's just it was crazy. It just it just works out great for me. I don't I, I like I said, there's not been a luckier person role in this studio than me. I it it could have gone a lot of ways. <laughs> it could have gone a lot of ways, man. I tried to make it go some really bad ways, but but um, you know, through my good fortune, it, it went this way. And I I just you know the Ascension Charity Classic up at Norwood. I mean that that can't can't be happening for me. That. That can't be happening. I tell Nick Ragone and Steve Sprout all the time, I'm like, you guys, this is like, it checks every single box for me. You know what I mean? It just, it's stuff like that doesn't happen in your life. It's awesome. And uh, Jay is going to be with us for the hour. Tell some, some stories from the tour. Certainly guys that you'd like to have. I mean, you don't like losing people if you're the PGA Tour. But at this stage, losing Henrik Stenson, is, is that a big deal for the PGA Tour? It's it's not. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to lose. It's it's not that he still can't win and compete occasionally, but most of the guys like Poulter, Garcia, Lee Westwood, that's on. They're on the the backside of it all, you know. Um, and having Faraday go is is really an interesting thing. He seemed kind of lost to me at NBC, like he just mm-hmm. seemed kind of in the. He was in the mix, but he they, the he was kind of it felt restricted or something. I, I'm sure. He's going to have a, a huge presence on whatever. I, I've not even watched the streaming. I don't know if you guys have. I don't have much I interest either. in it. But um, I've been texting him. He hasn't texted me back, so he's probably still working on the contract. <laughs> I don't know. And, and Jay, uh, Charles Barkley said publicly that he was going to meet with live officials about having some sort of media presence there, potentially being their media face. What was your reaction when you heard that? Why? Why for Liv or why for yes. for Charles? Yes, I mean both. What, what I mean, Charles obviously cash grab, right? Yeah, of course. Like everybody he said else. he would kill a family member exactly. to get the two hundred million. At least he was honest about that, Michelle, and I, and I respect that. But I mean, here here's the thing that seems really apparent to me: this is a shotgun approach to everything. They're just blasting as much 
money as they can around and trying to hit whatever they hit. So they're yeah. throwing it out. You know they've you know they've gone to everyone in the probably in the top 150 players in the world golf rankings. And here's what they here's what they've knocked off. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I love listening to Charles Barkley. He's a he's a riot. I've actually got to play golf with him. Believe it or not, and he's that's even more bizarre <laughs> than you could imagine. But um, yeah, I, I what what's he going to do? To the, I mean, what's he going to bring to the table other than you know his brand of humor and his take mm-hmm. on things that I and it's still streaming, right? And I wonder, realistically speaking, if you're the Saudis and you hire Charles Barkley, at some point, Charles Barkley is going to say something about the Saudis because he does. That's just who he is. And he's going to say something that they aren't happy with. He's their own employee, but he's going to say something that they, it's inevitable, right? I, you're, that's a good point. I mean, you know, like what Phil said in the quote in his book, you know, they're scary people. Mm-hmm. Not, not quoting him. And, <laughs> and, and um, I'd be. I'd be petrified. I mean, you know, you have a drink or two and, you know, certain things get said and you don't know who you're saying it to. And next yeah. next thing you know, you can't find your dog. You know, <laughs> exactly. that's not a good thing. Yeah, no. Hey, I want to know how many years on tour for Jay first? Oh, gosh, probably about t- between 25 and 30. Okay. The last were kind of blurry because I didn't play all that much. Yeah. Best player you were ever paired with on tour. Ooh, okay, so. When I'll, I'll say this in, in two uh, versions. When I uh, was a freshman at UCLA, my very first tournament, I was I had a really good tournament. I got paired with Bobby Clampett. No, 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 not you have to be a pretty avid golf fan to know who Bobby Clampett is. But back in the day, Beverly he Hillbillies. was a, a UCLA thing, right? Yeah, he was a stud. He played, yeah, he played uh, BYU. But I played in the last group with him. And I think I was a couple of shots off the lead starting the day. He shot 65 the last day with three three putts, beat me by 10. And I had never seen golf to this day that good. He hit the ball so straight and so long at the time. It, it was incredible. The, the best, I mean, it would have to be Jack Nicholas. There's something you were with Jack? There's something about playing with Jack that there's this aura that came off of him that you're like, well, he's going to make this one too. You know, <laughs> this is going to go well for him. And you know what inevitably happens is your game goes into the tank because you're like, oh yeah, oh, it's my turn to hit now. You know? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is when you're paired with somebody like Jack Nicholas, are you so in your head about being there with him or and not only focusing on what he's doing, but thinking that he's focusing on what you're doing, that it impacts your, your game? It does. And, and I got paired with Jack at the Memorial Tournament, which was his own event and it was you know as i got as i got uh, older i you know i got pair i got i got to play with everybody and and it you you get used to it but the first time i played with greg norman it was shocking because this guy drove the ball i was always long he was every bit as long as i was but i hit you know five fairways a day he hit them all and he was number one player in the world and it was greg greg's his nickname was like Greg Enormous because he just wanted to be bigger than everything. Like when Jack Nicholas got a private plane, Greg got a 737. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? It was oh, one wow. of those deals. And so, and, and that's kind of how it was when we were at Fox as well. Greg was just always, he just couldn't figure out a, a way to be part of the team. But playing golf with these guys and watching them uh, and and watching how they would you know, when you when you reboot, you're sitting down having a beer after the round and going, 
you know, what just happened? You know, some <laughs> things went good, some things didn't go so well. And then you have this visual of what they did, you know. And I, I as a rookie one year at Memphis, I was paired with Hal Sutton. And he, we were both in a decent position. I, unfortunately, got on the highway heading south and went back towards the middle of the pack. And he won the tournament. And I can remember the last five holes, the excitement of watching him do what he was doing. It pissed me off as a competitor, <laughs> but it also just destroyed my... I, I think I bogeyed the last four holes just because I had no concentration left, but I was so enamored in like, yeah. what's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to be crazy. Now, you mentioned having a beer after after the round to decipher what went on. Who's the most fun guy on tour that you've been with to sit down and do that with? Oh, my gosh. So, Steve Pate is the human volcano. He's he, <laughs> But he went to... He, I went to college with him, and I, we were sitting down at um, in Greensboro having... Um, a few beers and commiserating and telling each other, oh gosh, well, I did this and I did this worse than, you know, and, and Lanny Watkins walks by and Lanny is not really that nice a guy, you know, he, he not, when he, when you play with him, he talks about like, he, I'll never forget. I'm walking down like the third fairway paired with Lanny Watkins and he goes, did I ever tell you what Ben Hogan said to me? And I'm like, I stopped and tied my shoe. You know, so he'd keep walking. I'm like, I couldn't give it, you know. But anyway, that's kind of that's how the conversations go. You'd be shocked at what gets talked about. Over five hours of walking around with yeah. these. You that's know, a lot of time some, to fill. It's a lot of type A, a lot of ego going on there. But Steve and I are sitting there and we're not we're we've only started drinking, you know, and so we're just commiserating and and he's like, You double bogey that hole, it's so easy. I'm like, Yeah, I know. I thought it was easy too. And Lanny walks by and he goes, Hey, and we kind of just look at them, and we're just sitting at the bar, and it's in the locker room. It's one of the few places that it's not a public bar, and, and it was just a great place to hang out. And he goes, hey, are you guys rookies? And we said, yeah. And he goes, let me explain something to you. Half the guys out here don't care. The other half wish it was twice as bad. Just go home. And he walked away. And I looked at Peter, and I go, he can't kick us out of the bar, kid. You know, and he's like, no, he can't do that. So we just stayed there. But, I mean, uh, some of the stuff that Steve has done, and he gets this look in his eye uh, on the golf course and just loses all sense of what he should should do and should say. And so we saw a lot of that at college. He, he would probably be right up there. Jay and I got a, a chance to go out and play about a month ago, and uh, it, it, it's great to play. And you're so kind because you say, hey, I, I hate to give lessons on the course. I, I was there because I wanted lessons on the course. But one of the things, as you know, and pretty much every guy does, is we swing the club hard. Oh hell yeah! That's what's fun about it, though, right? You got to put it. You want to put it. You want to drop a bomb every once in a while. Yep. Even you know, like once a day, if you can just connect. Right. Even if right. it doesn't necessarily go straight, you're like, that really felt good. Yeah. Oh, it's such but, a pure feeling too. You know, when you hit it. Oh, oh it's so great. But the key is to swing at 85. 80%? It's the, the key is to try to not do that, and you're going to do it much more often. And it is infuriating. And it's so it's so non-male. I mean, mm-hmm. we want yeah. to go full bore, full tilt. I want my feet off the ground, and usually it doesn't go that way. It doesn't go well. This is why, <laughs> and if you practice, you'd be great, but this is why the, the, the LPGA Tour, they're so good because it's not within... Do you tell me, is it when you go out and play, is it in your nature to swing the club as hard as you can? No, I'm just trying to connect. Yep. <laughs> Gosh, I, I, so we got to do the um, LPGA Tour with Fox in 2015, and I was watching the ladies play, and I was so impressed. Up and down the, the range, these beautiful swings, not one woman overswung. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to hit balls this afternoon. I'm not going to overswing. 
four swings. I'm like, screw it, I'm going after it. <laughs> yep, that's all that lasted. I'm like, I can't do this. That's I, a just... fun exercise for guys to see how many, if you go to the driving range, can you get through before you're trying to swing out of your shoes? Well, you get up to a ball. You're addressing a ball. Nice, easy swing. Nice, easy swing. Get back. You really slow back swing and then whack as oh, fast yeah. as oh, you yeah. can. It's like something <laughs> happens. It's like at all. He's like, oh well, forget it. I'm just going to do that anyway. Well, and it's the Bryson DeChambeau effect too. Now no. you're seeing all these guys going super yard, and and everybody wants to see how far they can do it. It's amazing. I I, I mean, what's coming down the the pike, you guys, with the kids and the, the they're getting bigger. You're going to have somebody my height that weighs 230 pounds that's literally got to hit the ball 400 yards. Yeah, It's coming. There's nothing in the way to stop it. And their young golfers are fearless, and this is the Tiger effect and the John Daly effect, because they're swinging hard as kids and making great contact when they're three, four, five years old. I didn't really start playing until I was 25. So... uh, I still had to figure things out. Well, they already have the coordination to hit the ball hard as a youngster, and they don't have to figure that out at a, an advanced age. Yeah, and the tour players are trying to hit it hard. They really yeah. are, and they do hit it hard. It's just, it's just extremely polished. You know, it's. <laughs> I mean, JT's not laying off his driver. There's his feet aren't on the ground at impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and so these guys are smashing it, and it's. It's impressive. I mean, the British Open, did you watch Cameron Young? What, yeah. I, I'm not even that familiar with Cameron Young, and it was so impressive what he did, and he was smashing it off the tee. So for those of us that get out and play 18 holes and might hit five fairways, your best piece of advice for us? Okay, so what you really got to do is if you want to get better, you have to be get some awareness and try to figure out where you're losing your strokes. And, and like Ozzy said, whenever I try to help someone, we always start from the green and work backwards. Because, look, off the tee and with our irons, we're looking for probably as much power as we can get. As we get closer to the hole, though, guys, we're looking for softness and precision. We talked about softening your hands around the greens, letting your wrist flex, because you're, you're on a tee and you're trying to hit a 40 yard wide fairway you're on the green you're trying to put the ball into a four and a quarter inch cup so Mm -hmm. it's it's not about power it's about touch feel and precision and one of the things that the game has gone where we've missed in my opinion is we haven't taught people the differences between the power swing and the softer more um, precise swing and that's what I see people do around the greens where they we don't want to load the shaft which means we don't want to lead a lot with our hands while we're pitching and chipping and that's where people go wrong and then they realize oh man I'm coming in way too fast and you see all these body gyrations people pop up or they slow down or they, mm-hmm. they all these things to try to soften the club at the very bottom but if you watch the guys on tour they just use their wrist as hinges and they swing the club and just drop the head on it and it's you know and there's some variation in there but that's that's the key so that makes a difference it's nice nice to hear yeah uh, my age <laughs> it's, it's, over, it's over for us isn't it yeah not for you it's nice to hear for, for somebody who's, start, who's starting to learn now who still only swings about my full swing is about 60 percent swing right now because i, I can't can't do a full swing right now. I, work. I yeah, lose it, it completely. Work. The fact that it's just you know play a little bit softer. You know just try to just try to get it in the middle there and and, and keep on hitting it straight. That's a I, I like to hear that because right now that's that's all I'm trying to do. I'm I'm the a 250 yard drive is is a month or two off for me. So. <laughs> Not bad. It's it's amazing. I wanted to ask Ozzy how, which game's harder. 
Because I was always taught the hardest thing in all of sport is try to hit a, a round ball with a round bat. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hit a baseball is mm-hmm. the hardest thing ever. But, you know, all those nuances of the game, the defense, which he was so good at, and running the bases and all of that. And now he's trying to play golf. And then, you know, you have your chipping, your pitching, your putting, your driving, different grasses, different sand. There's, there's a lot of variables. be interesting to hear his philosophy. Also because one is a team sport and one is an individual sport. And I wonder what's more difficult because it can get more difficult to be in your head when it's just you, right, Jay? Yeah, and you can, you know, Michelle, there's so many times where I wish I could just crawl under a rock and let everybody just keep, you know, and you just have to wear it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can go bad and, you know, go 0 for 4 and be in a slump and the team keeps winning and, you know, you're probably not going to stay in the lineup long, but there's still overall success to be had. Ours was kind of all or nothing. Yeah. Mm. Hey, we have about a minute left. I want you to tell us about Wild Crush, the new wine bar out in town and country. Oh, thank you. My partner, Karen Peslowski, and I uh, opened Wild Crush in November. It's right behind the Straubs. It's, uh, we have the freshest wine probably in the entire state of Missouri. We have self-dispensing wine machines that keep the wine fresh up to 60 days. Our problem is trying to keep a bottle for 60 days because <laughs> we go through a lot of wine over there. But Michelle, you've been there. Yes. We have a gorgeous uh, patio. Thank you again, Randy, for letting me mm-hmm. talk about this. It's, it's, it's uh, very exciting. But we have a great patio. We have charcuterie boards. We have flatbreads. We have beer and uh, whiskey and champagne and a cool vibe, some good music, live music on Fridays, and uh, host a lot of events. We've had two weddings out there already. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of really fun stuff. you got to come out and and uh, hang out with us. As someone who's been there, 1010 10 recommend. You absolutely have to go. And Thank you forgot you. to mention there's TV, so there's the game on in the Always. background. We are, Anything you want absolutely. is that Wild Crush. Karen and I uh, and, uh, and Lexi, our managing partner, Karen Stoddart, we are huge sports fans. So, Blues for sure, Cardinals for sure. Always, I sneak some golf on in there. There's yeah, three like TVs, it. and they're like, "What's on there?" I'm like, oh, "Don't worry about that." <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you Friday morning, and then we'll be tuned in on Sunday morning as well. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Oh, we love it. having you on. Thanks, Jay Delsing, joining us in studio. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.